Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 383. Got a special guest coming on the show tonight, a first-time guest to the show. You can find his work over at PitcherList.com. He does the fab articles on Sunday, the On the Wire fantasy baseball podcast that comes out to you on Saturday evenings or for your listening pleasure Sunday mornings, whichever works in your schedule. He was the, he's the, he is, not was, he is the reigning 2020 TGFBI champion. And you can find him on Twitter at HastingKevin. Kevin Hasting, how are you doing, man? Awesome, Bubba. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. Looking forward to it. Uh, first off, it's late. I know it's July now, but congratulations on TGFBI. So uh, that, that's pretty cool stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, early in the season, in the off season, I tried to downplay it. But with the way this season is going, that's that's all I have to hang my hat on right now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like they say, flags fly forever, man. Just fly <laughs> that thing as often as, as you can because – I'm happy for like my finishing third in my league stuff. You won the whole darn thing, so that's uh that's that's pretty pretty good stuff. How's uh, how's everything else going fantasy wise this season? Are you hanging in there? Because it's been a wild ride, man. I I brought this up. I forget who I was talking to not too long ago on Twitter. It, it might have been Lucas Beery, who you had on recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, either great or horrible, not much in between. So I have some nice teams. I have some that aren't good at all. And, and I'm not mid-pack anywhere yet, but uh, starting to get there on some of the bad teams, at least starting to approach mid-pack, so it's getting better. Yeah, I feel you. I, I kind of have a similar full, like, situation going. I, I look at my standings, and it's like, okay, these guys are doing like top three, and then these guys are like bottom three. It's just like, where are you going to hang out? And it's, it's just tough to do because of all the crazy injuries and just everything else that's going on this season. It's been wild, but I keep telling myself everyone's going through it. So it's not just us. It's just luck of the draw sometimes. And it's still three more months to go. We're at the halfway point, and it could flip completely. You never know. So we might get the lucky end of the second half and go from there. Um, let's talk about some recent news real quick. And uh, it's been really interesting in Baltimore. It's you know, not a great team, but they're they're playing better. They just swept the Astros, for crying out loud, in Houston. So there's hope out there still. And they've been just a rotating wave of closers and here and there. And now Cole Solcer is there, a guy that you know in 2020 was getting saves for Baltimore, you know, kind of written off going into this season. He's gotten three straight saves. I know we don't want to spend a lot of money in fab on closers, but is this a guy that you think's worth taking a shot on as a potential closer for Baltimore? 
I, I think possibly, especially with the five out one last night against the Astros and uh, on the season, he's been really good. The 43 strikeouts and 30 and two thirds innings really stood out to me. I hadn't realized he was doing that well. Uh, I had stayed away from the Baltimore reliever uh, whole situation until Fry a couple weeks ago because he was much less expensive than the previous guys had been. Uh, but Solser probably, if he, this is the problem, right? We're, we're here on Thursday afternoon, and, and if he gets another one over the weekend or possibly even two, I'm not going to get him. I'll have a bid in, but I'm not going to get him. Yep, 100% with you. Like, I've been pounding the drum over and over. It's like I'm not. I will pay for saves, but I'm not paying for saves, if that <laughs> makes sense on the thing. It's like, I'll put my bids in, I keep them honest bids. That's Most of my bids these days, that's all it is, because most of us have spent a lot of fab already. That's just the, the, the nature of the beast. So you're, you're trying, thinking, you know, every now and then you see those leagues where it's like, oh, I can win for like three bucks? What? So you like, you got to put something out there and just hope. But um, yeah, with Solster, I remember rostering him last year. And it's something that you mentioned that it's very that I kind of like, especially in this weird, wacky pitching situation we have right now, uh, where just quality innings can be important. You know, last year the ERA wasn't great and everything. The strikeouts were down compared to this year, and this year is more like relevant to what he's done in the past when it comes to strikeouts. But what Solcer does is he does multiple innings, and that's something that even if he's not getting you the saves, he might run into a win, or you can accumulate strikeouts for you, or he can he can help you in other ways besides just praying he goes out there and has a clean ninth inning because those are far and few between these days. So I'm with you on Solcer. I would definitely throw something out there on him. We'll see how things go as the weekend goes on. Um, it's just some minor stuff here. At the end of Washington's barrage on Wednesday where they have scored everything, Trey Turner you know, hit for the cycle on his birthday. It, Kevin, isn't it crazy that he has three cycles already in his career? It, actually, what's, what's crazier? He's got three cycles or the MLB record is only three. Right, that that's what blew my mind. That and he's only the fourth one to do it. That that is crazy uh, for such a young player to be in that company already. Yeah, what if you had just had to have fun with it? Like this is obviously not a fancy question, but just a baseball question. He's so young, so I want to say he's like twenty five, something like that. I, I could I could look it up, but how many do you think he ends with? Oh goodness, they're so random. Yeah. But I would, I would have to think a player with, with his athleticism and also having the power to go with it would have at least a couple of more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd put another two to three in there because eventually we've seen it with so many of these kind of athletic shortstops. They get older and they put on a little bit of weight and they kind of let, let it go to – they want to go more of the power because their legs just aren't what they used to be. Maybe they will stay that way for him. Who knows? But usually something happens along the way where it all changes. But I want people to keep an eye on that. Trey Turner left. Uh, he jammed his hand sliding in the ninth. Juan Soto left, aggravating his hamstring. So much fun with the Juan Soto situation. I Blake, think with yeah. I think with Soto, they decided it was a cramp. Thank goodness. Uh, tonight's Thank lineup goodness. Is, is not out yet. I just looked as you were talking because I keep updating that mm-hmm. to, to see tonight's lineup. So we don't know yet, but they did change it to it was just a cramp. Thank goodness because I have a few Soto shares and there's a few listeners of the show and I love them. They love trolling me on Juan Soto right now. <laughs> I get, it's like every Tuesday with, when I have Toby on, uh, the, one of the listener questions is always our same little buddy, and it's always a Juan Soto. Why is he the worst player at baseball stuff? I'm like, oh, God, enough. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I need him to play. I really do. Uh, Blake Snell goes to the IL, and this is a weird one because it's kind of been vague. You know, he got, he got scratched from his start because of an illness. Now he's on the IL because of an illness, but it's not the COVID IL. 
So it's a very weird situation with Blake Snell. Obviously, you're not dropping if you haven't already. Just for your two, for two cents, Kevin, what's your take on Blake Snell this year? Because he's a guy I didn't want to roster, but if you've rostered him, it's getting close to maybe droppable. Yeah, especially in 12-teamers, I, I think. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, looking ahead at the uh, projected starter grid. They have him making his start on July 9th, his, his first day eligible to come back with, with Stammen in there. So in 15-team leagues, I think you have to hold on and, and see what happens. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Speaking of another starter situation, this one wasn't on the outline, so we can just spitball it real quick. We saw Jose Suarez come in for Dylan Bundy the other day, and he looked pretty good. And after that outing, they said they'd be interested in stretching him out, and um, he, he could go 85 pitches right now, they said, and we're interested in throwing him in the rotation. Well, that's happening now. Dylan, on, uh, on Thursday, they announced Dylan Bundy's going to get his start pushed back, potentially skipped this go-around. They're going to have Suarez pitch on Sunday. Now that's going to be fun because, as you know, doing a lot of fab work, if he pitches well on Sunday, that's going to be just all the goodness. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see on Suarez. This is as much a question on Suarez. The way I asked you on Snell, if you would drop him, what's your thoughts on Bundy, who's almost been even or probably has been even worse? I, I already have dropped him yeah. where I had him. And when I've been asked, that's been my recommendation. Yeah, I'm with you. That's that's. Uh, the only places I still have him are in draft and holds leagues because yep. I can't drop him. So, and let's just say I have. <laughs> and hopefully you don't need him. <laughs> yeah, I have not put him in the ro- rotation the last month or so. So that that's where that one stands. Uh, Max Fried returned from the IL went five innings, struck out seven, looked pretty darn good on a Wednesday night where almost all of the pitching was horrific. So uh, Max Fried's a guy that you know we've seen him be very good. He's been having issues with blisters and other injuries. Are you buying back into maybe a potentially good second half for Max Fried? Uh. Most definitely, if he stays healthy, yeah. you know these that first start back when he came back last time, he got roughed up a little bit. But his last four starts have been really good. And coming up this week, he gets at Pittsburgh, at Miami. Uh, that, that's a pretty good way to go into the break if they allow him to pitch that Sunday going into the break and don't decide to give him a little extra time off. That's a good point. That's a good point because. Like part of me thought they just let him sit out and tell the break, just let him get fully healthy because sometimes those blisters, they pop back so fast, and you never know, but the Braves are desperate for pitchers. That's part of the problem. They really need some starting pitchers. Um, it's two great matchups, as you said. They didn't let him go. I think he went about 85 pitches, give or take, on Wednesday. I'm imagining they'll keep it pretty similar the next couple starts and, and get him for, hopefully for a strong second half. So keep an eye on free. That could be a nice little boom to your team if you've been kind of holding out hope for him because it's, it's murky out there these days. A um, couple of guys to keep an eye on. Chris Bryant is still sitting out this week. Anthony Rizzo, he says he'd like to come back this weekend. Says uh, Colton Wong's been out. With some of these players, obviously there'll be more news coming out maybe later Thursday or Friday before lock, Kevin. But uh, what's your level of confidence putting them in, like say, an NFBC league where you get this, the second week, second half of the week lineup situations with these three? Yeah, like you said, We'll have a little more info. I haven't seen any news in, in a day or two, any new news on Chris Bryan. So nope, that's kind of no. concerning, just that, you know, they're off today. We're probably not going to hear know anything till lineups out tomorrow. Uh, Rizzo, lingering back issues, always a worry. Like you said, he said he hopes to be back this weekend. Huge question mark for me as well, both of the Cubs players. Colton Wong's hopeful to play tonight. I don't think the lineup's out quite yet. It wasn't when I looked last 
Uh, but I would think if he's hopeful to play tonight, he would at least be back for the weekend. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what Milwaukee does because they're playing some great baseball right now, and Colton Wong has been very, very good for them. But you have Luis Urias, who's smoking everything. You have William Adamas, who's smoking everything. Yeah. And Keston here is kind of showing signs of life. It's like someone's going to be the odd man out. Or it'll be interesting. Um, it could be, you know, Urias has been playing third for the most part. Uh, maybe what, Sogard. Is Sogard the one playing? They have somebody out there. Maybe he'll get the, the, the short end of the straw. But the, the Brewers are going to slowly put it together, which is pretty nice. Um, yeah, it's nice that they – I think I read Colton Wong might have been available last night, but when you're putting up 15 runs and you want a guy to get rest, it's 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 nice. Yeah, no need to put him out there. That's for sure. That's a, a luxury to have it. At one point, down seven nothing, going to the bottom of the first, and they just come back and just pummel the Chicago Cubs. So that was uh, quite entertaining for sure. Before we get into some uh, big June months to see if they continue going forward, I know a guy that you're quite interested in and. I love prospects. I used to be way more into them deep, deep digging in myself, but now I trust people that know what they're doing to do it for me. And you're going to talk to us a little bit about Jaron Duran, who is an absolute stud for the Red Sox, for those that don't know, which you probably do if you listen to the show. He's been beasting out in the minor leagues. He even played for um, the, the Olympic club as they tried to qualify. And we're just kind of waiting for that call. So what do you have on uh, Jaron Duran? It's been piquing your interest. Well, yeah, it's just fascinating to me. Like you, I, I trust other people for, for most of my, my news, but he, he's just having a monster season, and it's very intriguing to me what happens. They, they could use a leadoff hitter, the Red Sox, and it'd be nice to know, is he going to struggle like Kelnick did? Is he going to struggle like Franco has? They both came out of the gate, had a great first game or two, and then fell off, started struggling. It'd be nice to know that rather than bring him up in September when you're in the stretch run and then hoping to use him in the postseason. So I really think that, you know, asking him not to play for Team USA would would be a a PR, maybe not nightmare, maybe that's too strong a word, but they'd get some pushback. So I I really think – that, that he plays this out, but we see him in August. They can always manipulate his time at the beginning of next year if, if they'd like to. So I I think he's one of these guys, you know, with the break coming up and only a couple of weeks left prior to the Olympics once MLB gets started back up. I, I In FBC, if he, if he wasn't drafted, you can't pick him up yet. But in leagues where he's available, I – think if you have a spot it's time because we might see him first half of august rather than september 1st no i'm with you it's one of those if they tried to tell him no you can't play in the olympics it's like okay then call me up like like (laughs) there there, there you go if you think if you think you want to keep me healthy because you really want to use me then use me that's the way i would see it so um it'll be fun to see him in the olympics there's an interesting roster there i think he even made the future squad for the all-star game can't remember. There's a lot of great names there. Like that's going to be fun to watch on uh, Sunday coming up in a week from Sunday. So that'll be good. But yeah, Duran is just mashing everything. It's like every every time you you turn on Twitter in the evening, it feels like someone's there's so many Boston Red Sox Twitter accounts that it feels like someone's retweeting <laughs> a Jaron Duran home run or something else going on, which is great. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan to see what he he's got coming up. Um, just for fun, you could say no. Are there any other prospects besides, like maybe Bobby Witt, as you wearing your Royals jersey there that that you're intrigued to see pretty soon? Uh, yeah, um, 
I, I think for most teams, we're at the point where the, the Super 2 deadline is obviously passed, so we're probably waiting until September. Unless they, there are guys that are in contention, then they can really help. So I'm falling back on my hopes for Bobby Witt, you know, and by the end of June, obviously didn't happen. We're, we're a day past that now. Uh, but Duran is probably the one guy that really sticks out to me. And then we'll start to see, this is what fascinates me about prospects. We'll start to see a pitcher or two that we weren't on our radar, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with the all the injuries this season, the innings limits that we're going to see due to shortened last season, it, it's the pitchers seem to come out of nowhere. It's not always the guy that we are counting on being the next pitcher up. It's, it's somebody else that's performing well now. And like you brought up earlier, this is when we have to count on those that are really keeping an eye on that for us. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a wild time. It's fun to actually have a minor leagues to talk about again after last year's debacle. So we get to at least see some stuff and uh, get some feel for how these guys are doing, but it's been weird because you mentioned Kalinic, you mentioned um, Franco, and there's many, many more between pitchers and hitters. Like they come up tearing up the minor leagues, and it's a culture shock, a reality shock when they get up to the bigs. Or it seems like we'd see it from time to time, but not to this extent in in years past. Like it's like every one of them pretty much has a, a really large growing curve. So I was just going to ask you: yeah. Does it seem like they they've all struggled this year compared to past where at least a handful would just come right out of the gate. Yeah, it does. Like you look at even Akil Badu, he struggled a ton, but he's starting to figure it out. But it looks like maybe he changed his approach at the plate because now he's walking a lot more and he's hitting for average, but the power is not there right now. Uh, you look at Logan Gilbert. He's a great example. He looked really rough early on. He's starting to get it going, and I don't see him leaving anytime soon. Like he's looking closer and closer to be like a legit pitcher. I guess it's a combination of can the kid get it figured out between his ears? Or does he need to go back down and get his confidence back? Like, where's that level? And I guess how long, how much patience does the team have? Like, the Mariners didn't, didn't have anything to lose with Gilbert at that point, but a guy like Kalinick and they have so many other options, they can send him down and tell him to go get it uh, figured out again, which he obviously has for those keeping track. So we'll see. I think there is something to be said with a guy like Kalinick and some of these other ones once they go back down. When they come back up, I feel a lot more confident in the situation. Yeah, and that's another thing about Duran. He's a college guy. He's 25 years old, and I think that has something to do with maybe he'll be able to handle it a little quicker. That's a great point, and that's why you look at some of these organizations where, especially with their early picks that they expect to help sooner than later, they go college-heavy because you want that guy to come up right now and help you, whereas you you get the high school kid – you draft an 18-year-old, by the time they're up in 22 or 23, that's a whole different ball player. They're still growing. They're still maturing. They're doing all kinds of things. Like what you thought you once drafted may not be what you once drafted. So that's always the risk you take in that scenario. So it'll be interesting to see. That's for sure. And I'm, I'm hoping we get to see Duran and these other guys come up pretty soon, especially for these teams that are kind of already throwing in the towel roughly. We'll get that one kind of ironed out pretty quickly. All right, let's talk about some players that had some big Junes, and what do we think going forward? Obviously, we can still say they're going to be very good, but there's obviously some regression coming. Um, some of these guys are just playing so far out of their shoes. Like, I want to trade them immediately because this is not going to stand. There's so many angles to be taken with this, but it's always fun because, you know, it's, it's the next cool thing. So I'm going to start off with some 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 easy ones, and we're going to start with Shohei Otani, who has just been ridiculous. He's hitting everything under the sun right now, the month of June. 
was there, there's only a couple players that you could maybe say was better, but just from like just a hitting approach alone, he hit uh, 309 with um, 13 home runs in the month of June, four stolen bases to tack onto that, and he's walking almost 17 percent of the time. Let's not forget he pitches like a, an ace. So um, Shohei Otani, I doubt you're trading him. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. But obviously, some regression. You can't hit 13 home runs every every month. But what's your sh- thoughts on Otani going forward? Uh, I agree. No, I, I don't think you are trading him. I I wouldn't. I, I'd have to be overwhelmed. Put it, put it that way. Uh, it's I, I, looking at the rest of the season projections. You know, the bat and bat X having him for you know 22, 23 more home runs and another nine or ten stolen bases. That makes him a 50-20 guy with a two eighty batting average for the season. Uh, almost duplicating what he's done so far, right? Just just under it. So you, you would have to be overwhelmed to accept a trade for Otani right now. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's like there's always the concern with Otani because he's doing two things is can he get hurt? That's always the concern. Like it's the old joke, he's twice as likely to get hurt now because he's doing two different things. But I guess you could say everyone's likely to get hurt. You never know how that really plays out. I'm hoping a 50-20 season where he goes out there and throws like 100 more strikeouts would be amazing, like something we never thought we'd probably ever see in our lifetime. So um, that'd be great. Yeah, it's just I only wanted to bring him up because I saw some discussion on Twitter. It's like, oh, there's going to be so much regression. He's going to come to here and da da I'm like, I get it. You can't be this good, but the dude's going to still be very good, and you're not going to not play him every day you have him in your lineup. So let's just tone it down just to scoach. And he's um, must must watch TV. It's oh, yeah. so fun to watch, whether he's pitching or hitting or doing both. It's so fun to watch an Angels game. It's so fun to watch. Like, how often do you get to see a pitcher still hitting leadoff or now he's leadoff. It was cleanup or whatever. Like, and then he hits bombs. He's always having fun out there, smiling. Even when they go and check him for a substance, he's sitting there laughing with the umpires. Yes. And it's like, he just. <laughs> He just likes playing baseball. Like he doesn't care. Uh, it's it's good to see. It's one of the kind of like positive notes on a on, on a weird baseball season. So yeah, I'm with you. He's must see TV. Um, I know I don't have the package anymore because I changed providers. Long story, but um, like their game against the Yankees was on TV the other night on MLB Network, and I made a point like I'm having it on TV. I'm watching that because it's like Shohei and the Bronx. Like let's go. Like that's, yes. that's like yeah, that's what it's all about. Type and stuff, then. So. And and then he just hit that violent line drive right into the short porch. It was, it was oh, great. He's just so good. So, so good. It's amazing. Uh, another guy that's been very, very good is uh, Kyle Schwarber. I, like, I made the tongue-in-cheek joke. I, I made this comment, actually, before the season started when the Cubs released Kyle Schwarber to sign Jock Peterson to essentially the same contract the Nationals signed Kyle Schwarber to. And then you look at their career numbers, and it's like the Spider-Man gif of them pointing at each other. So very, very similar players. Except this year, Kyle Schwarber's playing much better. In the month of June, he's hitting 280 while walking 11% of the time and 16 home runs. Obviously, most of that's come like in the last two weeks, it feels like. But the dude is unconscious right now. He's not going to be this good again. But you kind of know what you're getting with Kyle Schwarber. And there could be some massive batting average re- regression. That is true. Would this be a guy maybe you could think about trading while he's high or you just run it out there going, hey, he's going to lead off in an offense that has Soto and Turner behind him? Yeah, I, it's you could say this about any question like this, but it, it's really league dependent, depending on what other people in your league think of him. Everybody may be thinking exactly what you just said. In which case, I'm not, 
I'm not taking less for him than, than I think he's worth. And I'm going to hang on to him and ride this out. I don't think he's going to be bad. You know, he, he's, he's settling in with the new team and getting comfortable. You're right. He's not going to hit 16 home runs a month. He's probably not going to hit 280, but I think he's very comfortable where he is right now. And going clear back to the 2016 world series, you know, this, he was, he was a hitter when he came up, right? On base guy. And so he has the potential to hit for a decent average, probably not 280. But I think in most cases, I'm riding this out. No, I'm with you. And the biggest thing is, is you didn't draft Kyle Schwarber for batting average. That was not the reason you drafted him to begin with. So if he goes and hits 220 to 230, like projections have him hitting 230 to 240 the rest of the season. That's what you drafted. You knew that when you drafted Kyle Schwerber. Yeah. But you're going to get maybe 20 more home runs this year. And that's pretty darn good, the way I look at things. And, again, if he leads off, he's got decent OBP skills. That's why he led off at the Cubs before. And he got Turner. He got Soto. He got, he got weapons behind you that could – Josh Bell's even starting to hit a little bit. Like it, it's, I think it's going to be a fun summer in Washington if they can just stay healthy because that offense is just off to a slow start. So I wouldn't get rid of him personally. I could see the argument that – Hey, if someone likes him as much as maybe you do or something, yeah, you could probably get a good haul back. Like, say you need a starting pitcher, like or something, whatever. You could sell him high. I totally get this one, but uh, it's got to be good. I wouldn't uh, be selling him for a discount. That's for darn sure. All right, this next guy has always been near and dear to my heart, and that is Tommy Pham. And thankfully, thankfully, the knives are not near and dear to his heart this off season because he's <laughs> yeah. he's he's finally feeling healthy. And I catch I always catch flack for it every preseason. It's like he's too old; he doesn't do anything. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He's not flashy, but he gets you twenty twenty plus every season. That's what Tommy Pham does, and he's starting to do it because he looks healthy all of a sudden, and he's leading off pretty much every game in the month of June, and he's hitting three forty one with six home runs and six stolen bases. I call that to be pretty good. Is he over his skis potentially? But what's your thoughts on Tommy Pham going forward? No, and and I also love the twenty-two runs scored because he is leading off for that lineup. That, that that's awesome. Runs can be hard to come by at times, and Tommy Pham, as you said, healthy now. We know he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, this is, you know, twenty-five, twenty-five pace. The rest of the season is what I would expect. So. That's not six home runs and six stolen bases each month, but it's probably a little more because, like you said, there was a lot of you know pushback in draft season. So not everybody was expecting the 25-25 that, that I did and, it's, and you did. So if we get that the rest of the season, he, he's going to score another 50 runs as well. So, that, yeah, I'm in. And that's a great point you make about the run scored. It's not talked about nearly enough in our world, but it's one of the five offensive categories. That's what we play for all the time, and it's a very valid point because a guy like Pham leading off in this ridiculous offense with Tatis, who's just ungodly, as we know. Machado, he's been very streaky, but I still think he's going to be strong, obviously. Cronenworth's a beast. Like, you guys go down the list. Myers, like, there's so much offense in this lineup. It's ridiculous, and as long as he's sitting up top there, He's got 50-plus run upside, like you said. Like, his final stat line this year could be hitting, you know, 260-ish with, let's say, 22 home runs, 25 stolen bases, like 110 runs scored. No one will be shocked. Like, it's ridiculous what he's doing. And the big piece of that also is because he walks a ton. He's always had at least a 10-plus percent walk rate. 
in his career. He's walking almost 15.5% of the time right now on the season. Like He does everything you want from a leadoff hitter, and he's got some pop. So it's it's a really good combination with him, and he's healthy. That's the biggest bugaboo, and like I, I would at least listen to that argument in the preseason. He's like, well, he gets hurt a lot. I'm like, yeah, he does. But you got to like, – I think so many people have that 60-game mindset that like we need the production, we can't get hurt. You got to remember 162, there aren't many players that don't get hurt at some point in time. Most players don't play every game. Like if you can get 140 plus from every guy, to me that's good. Some might think I'm crazy, but I think that's like realistic in this world of baseball. It's not like the baseball we grew up on that everybody plays every day and it's a pride thing and like that's just the way, it doesn't happen anymore. Guys, it's not the NBA where it's rest days all the time. <laughs> it's not that. It feels like it's getting there with some players, but it's not that yet. But, um, you know, if you give me 140 to 145 solid games, I'm happy. And Tommy Pham, like you said, with that chip on his shoulder, he'll make however many games he plays count. And I think that's that, that's very, very important. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to one that I'm so glad is finally waking up. Came in just in time for the podcast is Mr. Joseph Gallo. He gets to be called Joseph today because he is hitting everything, so he gets he gets some uh, seniority on this one. He went deep again on Thursday, but that's July 1st, so that doesn't count. But the dude, that would have made – Five straight days with home runs and giving him seven home runs in the last five days. But he ended June on a bang. He's hitting 263, which is uh, outstanding for Joey Gallo. Ten home runs. He's notched three stolen bases in that mess. And he's still walking 23.2% of the time. Those are all great stats, Kevin. But the fact he's only striking out like 25%, I think, needs to be talked about a little too. Like he's doing just a lot of great stuff in June. And I'm, I don't know. I've always been a Gallo fan. I understand the bugaboos. What's your take on Gallo? Well, I, I got to see him in person Sunday, and unfortunately one of those five straight days with a home run was against my Royals when I was at the game in Arlington, and uh, he he just looks amazing right now. Uh, and we've seen this before, too, when he, he, he got pretty comfortable the first half of 2019 and hit for a decent average as well. And it just seems like he's warming up, kind of like Schwarber. He's, he's just – He's comfortable right now, and he can go through these periods of when he's striking out less. That even if he maintains it under 30, you know, we're not looking at the 210 gala. We're looking at at least 240 to 250, which is an added bonus, as well as you mentioned those stolen bases. He's got six on the year. Yeah, that's impressive. And like you're saying, if he just keeps the stolen, I mean, the, the strikeout rate somewhat down. That just means more balls in play. And at the rate he hits baseballs, of course they're going to leave the ballpark. Like when you have a 20 plus percent barrel rate and a hard hit rate through the moon, like it's just going to, he's going to do damage to things. And he could be a guy, and I can't remember, I apologize to where I heard this from. I for, totally forget who it was. They made a great point that some of these struggling power bats early on could really take off without the sticky stuff. Because now you're not seeing ungodly breaking balls. Like you're seeing stuff flatten out. I know it sounds like common sense stuff. But when you sit back and think about it, like look at the correlations on things. All of a sudden, Joey Gallo's going nuts. Schwarber's going nuts. All these guys that, you know, even this guy's not a power guy, but I looked at him again this morning for a DFS article. Steven Duggar was striking out like 40% of the time all season. Just in like the last two weeks, he's striking out 26% of the time. That's a massive drop off. Like those right. little, little changes for any player can be like we all look at like the power numbers changing just go look at the contact rates go look at you know are they putting the ball in play more because that can lead to a strong three-month stretch where you might get them for cheaper stuff along those lines so just a, a whole 
separate little rant there, but I think it'll benefit guys like Joey Gallo. And I think, I think it's like easy to look at that, but it could be fun to watch as well. And the the other thing, Gallo, Schwarber, you, you mentioned. Keston Hira, you mentioned earlier. You know, these guys have been having trouble with the high fastball, which the sticky stuff also helps with that, the high four seamer. So that that's another great uh, – you make a great point. Yeah, because like, and people don't think about the fastball, so that's true. Because you'll think about the that, that sticky stuff was giving the rise to it, like that yep. little extra movement. So when you think you're swinging at your letters, and now it's up at your chin, it's like, well, try adjusting to that at 99 miles an hour. Good luck. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> so uh, I I don't blame them for striking out. So yeah, that's it's going to be real fun to see where this all changes. I know Jason Collette tweeted it out on Wednesday that since the the restrictions were starting to get put in play on the pitchers. Like, actually, the batting average is down around baseball and the runs per game are down, like, small amounts, not a lot. But it wasn't, like, ballooning as some would have expected. So it'll be interesting to see where it all, where it all pans out. Now, this is a guy that I think we might have some fun discussion about on potentially trading or whatnot. But Jonathan Scope, he's always been a guy we talk about in draft season, just not appreciated. He's going to start every day. He's got pop. Usually doesn't hit for average, sitting 340 in June. He's only striking out 15.5% of the time, which is – Really good for Jonathan Scope. But 10 home runs in the month of June. He had 18 total extra base hits. He's hit great. No sugarcoating that at all. Good chance he gets traded. What do you think about him going forward this uh, year, and would he be a guy you'd be looking to deal? I I would. Um, Fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how we look at it, I I only have him rostered in my draft and hold leagues, uh, but in in multiple, and and he's been – awesome for for that format wasn't even in my starting lineup to begin of the year but was very quickly and has been just automatic in the lineup every, every week since and so i hope he doesn't get traded but you're right it's likely that he will and he might become a utility guy so yeah if i can trade him and get a decent return i I'm probably going to because I'm worried about the loss of playing time if he's traded. Yeah, I would just try to sell him high. Like I still think he has a strong season. I've always thought this, but similar to like my thoughts with Schorber, think about the person you drafted. More often than not, they're going to find the back of their baseball card. Now he has outperformed his baseball card for a month. Thus, the simple conversation of regression comes into play. But you just have to look at the whole picture here. Like, you know, projection sites still have him getting, you know, 13, 15 home runs. Great. Hitting 250, so that average is going to drop a little bit. Not a ton, though. They actually have him kind of playing similar to the way he played the first half, so the projections actually like him, which kind of surprises me, thinking about how well he played in June. But that was a really hot June. Go back and look at April and May and then start seeing it. He's going to be very streaky. So if you can trade him while he's at his peak, I think that's definitely something to look at. You can probably get, like, a SP3 or something that could really help you going forward if that's what you're looking for. So I look to do that, and the points you made is Detroit's going to try to trade everybody with a pulse that's like not under their rookie deal still. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone very soon. Or owed $90 million like Miggy. Yeah, Miggy. <laughs> and at least he's starting to hit, so that's interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, he's owed a fortune. So it's like the Albert Pujols of the American League. Um, let's go to the Baltimore Orioles. I could have written down like six different Orioles because they all had just monster – Months of June, Cedric Mullins, but you know Justin Mason talks about him enough, so we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> um, and he's just very, very good. But uh, Ryan Mountcastle is a guy I want to talk about because you know going into draft season, he was a tough one to kind of gauge 
you didn't really know. Like, you know, the power's there. You're kind of concerned about batting average. Would he play enough? Lots of questions. Obviously, you know, the old baseball HQ adage, draft skills over role. Like, if they're that good, they're going to find a role. And it's very true. It's tough to do. It's tough to get that mindset when you're in the middle of a draft, but it's very true. Um, so you got Ryan Mountcastle, who very slow start to the year, really was having trouble playing time. Month of June, though, hitting 263 with 14 home runs, 13 doubles, and he even threw in three stolen bases. So it seemed like every time he put the ball in play, it was for extra bases. He was crushing the baseball. What's your take on Ryan Mountcastle? I think he's one of those guys that is probably not going anywhere. I mean, the people that drafted him are ecstatic with what he's doing, and they're holding on to him. The people that didn't draft him may think that he's still playing a little bit beyond, but, you know, he's 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 a young guy and, and, and may continue to develop, but they're probably of the mindset he might he might have to face some adjustments in the second half of the season. So I, I think he's one of those guys that I've enjoyed watching, but I don't think I'm going to spend a lot of time digging in to what I think he's going to do in the second half because I he's not available in leagues, and I don't think he's going to be on the move in leagues. Yeah, he's a tricky one. He's really tricky. And the projection sites, again, kind of like Scope, they see a similar second half. And that uh, – that leaves it tough to be like, oh, I'm going to give you know trade this guy because if he can produce that similar second half, that's outstanding, obviously. And we all know that Baltimore, that Camden Yards, is very, very live as it gets warm. So that's a great yes. ballpark to hit in. Um, so you got that going for him. A lot of the AL East outside of Tropicana is a great ballpark to hit in. So, um, yeah, he's a tough one to, to, to bounce away from. I like the talents. I was shocked to see him hit for this average and then to see the projection sites still like this average going forward. It tells me quite a bit that maybe we're seeing something legit. Because like that bad X, I love how it incorporates uh, the savant stuff, the stat cast stuff. And it kind of gives you a total feel. So I like that a lot. All right. This one, baffled. Absolutely baffled by what's taking place here. Because Gary Sanchez, I've I, in recent years, I've taken the chances. I have, especially when he fell in drafts. Like last year especially, he fell. And I'm like, okay, SP, our catcher too. Let's go. Let's do it. Didn't work out so well, obviously. Well, it started out really bad this year as well, and I was like doing the happy dance. Like I wasn't doing victory laps, but I was prepared to do victory laps. And um, let's just say the month of June really put that victory lap away because he's hitting 289 with eight home runs, only striking out 26.5% of the time, which for him, very good. But, man, I can't believe he's going to keep doing this. What do you got on Gary Sanchez? Well, I, I was offered – actually something of a little bit of value for him in a dynasty league in the off season. And I turned it down. And what I told the guy, either I'm going to reap the benefits or you're going to be able to pick him up off of the waiver wire, which is what happened. I dropped him when he started out so slow and, and was, was getting benched for games. And and now sure enough, this happens. (laughs) So I, I don't know. He's He's been streaky throughout his career. There's been a lot of tweets out there this week on that about how the month by month of each season of his career, how streaky he's been. A lot of talk out there. I think a lot of it, I, I can see him continuing not quite to, to the June pace, but I can see him having a good second half 
because I think he's more comfortable behind the plate. I think that led to a lot of his struggles. I think it was still leading to his struggles early this season. I think he just feels more comfortable defensively, which allows him to you know, play play baseball. And so I don't he won't be this good the rest of the season, but he could be the 30-plus home run Gary Sanchez that we expected when you said you were still taking a chance on him. He could be that for the second half. No, I think it's a great point you made about his defense. There's a lot to be said. We say it about other positions, like this guy's not comfortable. He's in a new position. Like I said, Alejandro Suarez trying to play shortstop. They put him back to third base, and he started hitting again. Like he doesn't never going to hit for high average, but he he got comfortable again. Just little little things like that. We say it time and time again. Goes a long way. And Gary's defense was atrocious. Still not great, but it was it is better. When you to, to throw on top, you got that New York media just shoving it down your throat of how bad you are, <laughs> time and time again does not help the cause at all. So um, I, I and there was rumors he's going to get traded this year. It was it was that bad. Those rumors have gone away. So that uh, has quietly gotten gone away. But we'll see. Maybe the, people are saying the Yankees might be sellers. That's going to be hilarious. I never thought I'd ever see that day <laughs> in my lifetime. I still don't think I'm going to see that day in my lifetime. But, um, yeah, the power is legit. We always knew that. If he can sit for a decent average like he is, that's big. And lowering that uh, K rate is going to help a ton. So I think there's, a, I think the biggest part, like you said, though, is the, um, the comfortable. Being comfortable behind the dish going a long ways to help him out. And if they can just stay healthy and keep those bombers around him, that will obviously help quite a bit too. All right, let's talk about a few pitchers here. Uh, Luis Garcia, he obviously didn't have a great night on uh, Wednesday night. A lot of it was not his fault for those that uh, watched uh, the scatter plots. The umpire – yeah, robot umpires looks pretty pretty positive these days. Because <laughs> my goodness, I I wasn't watching the game live. I just had my app up and I was doing some other things, and I saw a walk walk to start the game, and then pitching coach ejected, and I'm like, oh, that means the strike zone's bad. Like if the yes. pitching coach is tossed right away. So then in a chat that I run, he I got guys fighting stuff, and like, oh yeah, no, it was bad. He should have had two straight strikeouts, blah blah blah. So it was bad. Before that, though, he's been very, very good. He's had a very good month of June, 315 ERA, 24 FIP, 399 XFIP. The strikeouts have been there. He keeps the ball in the ballpark, only one home run all month, which I think is very, very nice. So what's your takes on Luis Garcia going forward? Yeah, that's what I had written down. I had one home run, an exclamation point. And then and even extremely small sample for a stat like FIP, but last night's performance, a 291 FIP. So like you said, been very good leading up to that. And last night, not as bad as it may appear on the surface. My concern is he's at over 80 innings pitched, and he's never hit 110 in his professional career. That was in 2019. That's my concern. I don't know how far they're going to let him go. And I have that concern with a lot of pitchers, more than usual due to last season, but especially – the younger guys that we have no idea what they did in 2020. And then also the next guy that we're going to talk about guys that have a, a, a history of that type of thing. No, that's a great point with Garcia and many, many more, especially on the Astros by themselves. You got Garcia, you got McCullers coming off TJ uh, Framber. I don't think to worry about cause he missed most of the start of the season, but um, yeah, they have a long list, long, long list. Javier's in the bullpen. Now maybe he cut, maybe him and Garcia switch spots. I don't know. Uh, there's gonna. I guess it's lucky they have the options they have. At the same time, they're gonna. They need these guys for the postseason. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. And that's always a headache 
for fantasy owners. I guess you enjoy him while he goes out there for maybe another month strong, and then we kind of see how they play with him, get him to 100 innings and, and see what happens. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think he's darn, darn legit. There's no questioning that. So with those innings concerned for, like, say, a lot of these guys, and obviously it's different player by player, league by league, would you be trying to trade a guy like this? I think so. I, I think I'm operating under – the Brewers came right out and said that their number was 100 more than last year. I kind of think that's probably about what most teams have in mind. Uh, so that's kind of what I would be looking at. And guys that are approaching that, especially teams that are in contention uh, and they're going to be needed in the stretch run in the postseason, we're, gonna, we're probably going to see a lot of teams being the Dodgers. We're going to start seeing start skipped with uh, phantom IL stints. We're, we're, I think we're going to start seeing this with a lot of guys. No, you're 100% correct. Like, if it's not injuries, it's going to be something else that's just going to keep making us scratch our heads like, oh, man. So um, I'm with you, though. I think if you can get some get something for some of these guys um, while they're still pitching this way, why they haven't said they're going to shut them down yet, I would go for it. I also do agree. I think every guy is going to get minimum 50-plus innings, potentially 100, because you've listened to certain guys, and I love – I, I people know I, I work out of my truck, so I listen to podcasts all day long. I don't listen to just fantasy podcasts. I listen to a lot of baseball. Like I love the Chris Rose experience because he has real baseball players on there, and they all talk about things. They don't hold back. Those guys and some other shows, they have all said between getting ready for the COVID season, the COVID season, and then even postseason because they knew they'd have to get ready for 2021, they all threw an extra combined like 60-plus innings through that kind of, just to keep themselves ready. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, like you said, something we don't know. And that's one of the biggest headaches, even going into this year, all the stuff we did not know. But I think we're going to be surprised where some of these guys are like, oh, there's no way they're getting 100 innings. They go get 180 and they're fine. Like, it's just going to be the way it works. So it's a guessing game. That's the beauty of it. But that's, <laughs> what, we, that, that's what we do. Yes, you mentioned this next guy, and he is a headache to me. Um, I've usually avoided Sean Mania like the plague. He's starting to prove me wrong, though. And it came with a big, big month of June. One, one, three ERA, two, three FIP, three, six X FIP. Um, only walked ten, which is pretty good to me. Struck out thirty-four and thirty-two innings pitched, uh, and he had a decent outing on uh, Wednesday or Thursday as well. As we recorded, he, they, there's, the A's are still playing, but uh, he, he threw decent. He gave up a, a bomb to Gallo, but who <laughs> hasn't these days? So um, yeah, what do you have on Manix? He's a guy I just I can't get confident with. Yeah, I, I, same way for different reasons than Garcia. He's already he's already at over 92 innings pitched. And 54 last season, shortened season, of course, 29 and two-thirds in 20 and 19. His career high in 2018, 160 innings. So he's less than 68 innings away from his career high in innings. That's very concerning. Now, his has been due to injury. I'm not expecting anyone specifically to get injured but we know injury is a possibility for everyone i just don't know if he we have never seen him handle more than 68 more innings the rest of the season love the ballpark he's in um i just i really have question marks i i think he's another guy if i have him i'm riding it out as long as i can if but if i don't I'm not I'm not trying to overpay for him at all. Yeah, Manaya's one I am not paying for. 
if I did roster him, like you said, I'd be writing it out till the wheels fell off, and then I'd be the first sign of concern. He'd be back on my bench. Like just yeah. be, beware. We've seen the blowups happen with him. We've seen him pitch very good before. He's he was a prospect that was supposed to be this good. So like, we shouldn't be a hundred percent surprised by this. Like you said, you have much you have much more logic behind it than I do. I just have like a you know the problem with fantasy owners as much as we say don't do it. There's always that little voice in the back of your head going, "This guy burned me so many times. I just can't do it." I, I, I did see the car crash over and over, Shamanaya. And um, you're right, though, in the innings part. That, that's, that's a much better reason to be concerned with him because he's looked darn good right now. Um, I, mine was always the velocity. He seemed like but the velocity's up right now. So as long as that keeps going, that's huge. Going into the year, I didn't trust it all. I thought he was going to throw batting practice. So we'll, we'll see how that keeps going. The A's need him for the playoffs. They need a number two to go with Bassett. So um, they might baby him as well, as you were saying with Luis, uh, Luis uh, Garcia. This one, Luis Castillo, my boy, drives him in a lot of places. Been a rough year, but June has been great. June has been wonderful. Six plus innings in four or five starts, 171 ERA, 33 XFIP, 32 Ks. The walks are still there. That's Luis Castillo for you. But uh, he's limited the damage in a big, big way. Now, by the time you guys hear this, the Padres might have played him for nine runs and two innings. We don't know yet. But uh, he's been very, very good. Are you buying back into Luis Castillo the rest of the way? I am, uh, and it's the like you said. The walks are always there. That's why he's never had a really outstanding K minus walk rate, other than the shortened twenty twenty. His career is seventeen point five percent. June was sixteen percent, and he's progressively worked right back up towards that career rate. The twenty nineteen that got us excited about him, it was eighteen eight. Uh, the, the season he had 226 strikeouts. Yeah, I, I think we see the Luis Castillo we drafted in March the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to keep running them out there and crossing my fingers. But I, I believe we're going to see him. The velocity's back up. There's all those reports early on. He doesn't like to, the cold weather early. Things are warming up, and he's pitching great. So I, I believe there's some – I don't like doing stuff when it's freezing cold. So <laughs> I, I, I get it, uh, especially if you have to – Imagine trying to throw like 95 and your muscles aren't completely loose. Like that can't be fun. So, um, yeah, it, it, uh, I'm with you. Give me some second half, Luis Castillo. A couple more to break down for you. Adam Wainwright, the ancient one that just every year you wonder if he's going to play another year. Then he does, and he still pitches great. Like the dude's getting it done. He's like a modern-day Maddox, it feels like right now. Um, the month of June was great. Six innings and in every – had a quality start in every outing. He was outstanding. Six or more Ks in his last four outings. 35 Ks in the month of June. Two four five ERA, XFIP of three. Not a whole lot more you could ask from Adam Wayne right now. He gets Colorado and Coors on Wednesday night or Thursday night as we're recording. You think it's Wednesday? This is a messy week. Um, what's your thoughts on Wayne going forward? Though, is this a guy you try to deal while he's at his peak? No, I'm riding him. This, this is the kind of guy that I am. Anybody can get injured, but this is the kind of guy that I am most comfortable with giving me my innings the rest of the season, and like. Eno Saris and others have, have told us over the years, best in-season predictor, K-minus walk rate, and he's at 21-4 in the month of June. I'm riding guys like Adam Wainwright and the Knicks guy uh, the, the rest of the season as much as I can. These are the guys I try to go after with my uh, Luis Garcia. Like, we thought we'd try to move them. These are the guys I'm going after. That's smart. And the other thing with, with Wayno that like you mentioned the innings eating part and the next guy definitely does as well. But, um, you know, we talk about Kyle Hendricks in the draft season all the time. This is Kyle Hendricks, but like 200 picks later. 
Like, yeah. I know you expect Hendricks to be better, and you're still waiting because Wayno's old. You're just waiting for it to kind of stop. But in reality, if you took a step back and you're going, okay, I can wait 200 picks and potentially get the same thing. We do that with rookies all the time. Why aren't we doing it with a veteran like Wainwright? Like, why not? I, some, sometimes you look back on, like, hindsight's always a fun thing. But you, you think back going, why, why was I not as aggressive on this like I should have been? It's, I know if he had a bad year, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But he does it every year. So, like, why are we, why are we doing this? But uh, the other guy you mentioned is Charlie Morton. And he's a guy that I avoided in draft seasons also. More so, I thought his price tag was a little too high for my liking going to Atlanta um, we've seen injuries in the past, but when he's healthy, he's a workhorse, just like you mentioned. And he's a you know five or more innings and four or five starts this month. He's been great. The strikeouts have been there, two seven three ERA. He's been everything the Braves asked for and have needed. Like we mentioned with uh, Freed earlier, they've needed starting pitchers to give that bullpen some rest. And Morton has been that guy. You said you're in on him for the second half of the season, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, K minus walk rate twenty point seven in the month of June, right up there where. We love to see that. Another guy that only gave up one home run in the month. And what's interesting to me is even during his slow start, he hasn't given up more than one home run in any outing this entire season. So that's another thing I really like about him. And I just like these veterans in the second half. Even if they were using sticky stuff, there was a time they didn't. So they they, they know how to adjust. They're, they, they probably are the guys that were – doing whatever was I, I don't know what the best program was pre-covid covid post-covid but these guys have a better idea than the younger guys did in my mind i could be completely wrong about that but they're the guys i'm comfortable with uh, i 100 percent agree with you i think especially the point on the pre-sticky sticky stuff like there's always been stuff out there like we can't yeah. ignore that but these guys know how to do it with the minimal stuff I is, is a way to say yeah. like with the, or, or or they just know how to hide it better. One of the two. So, <laughs> exactly. um, so yeah, there's there's something that you know with, with age comes wisdom. So there's something to be said there with Morton and Wayno and some of these other guys that it'll be interesting to see how it keeps going. Um, I'm hoping for Morton. I I take if I had to pick if you had to pick between the two, would you rather have Wainwright or Morton going forward? I think I I, I think I'll get more innings out of Wainwright. Uh, Morton's a, a, a five-inning guy, and as bad as their bullpen has been late in games, that, that, that can cost you a, a couple of wins here and there. So I, it's close, but I'd go Wainwright. Yeah, I'm going Wainwright too. It's it, it's close, but yeah, I'll go Wainwright because there's still something about Charlie with the fact when he's off, he walks a ton of guys, and it just shrinks that outing like in a big way. So the strikeouts will be there pretty much every start, but the the, the duration of the outing for the pendulum wins, like you mentioned that can get dicey from times with him. So, yeah, I'll go Wayno as well. All right, let's talk a little waiver wire action here. We'll kind of go quick hitters on this one. Um, we started doing this last week. I'm going to try to do it every Thursday show, just kind of give a, a heads up into the weekend. Obviously, if you want a better, more in-depth fab show, go listen to Kevin's show over the weekend on the wire with uh, at Pitcher List, and uh, they'll give you a whole rundown of all the good stuff plus his article. But uh, just looking ahead, a lot can change uh, before Sunday's biddings. What are a couple players that you have circled that you're going to look to make some bids on this week? Uh, it's really hard to carry a third catcher on, on teams, but uh, Kirk and Nola are both nearing return and, and both fairly widely available. Uh, Kirk is 46% rostered in TGFBI. Nola 68%, a little higher. Kirk is actually reported to AAA, 
So we may, and he's eligible to return today from a 60-day IL. So we could possibly get some news before Sunday, which would hurt us as far as Fab yeah. Price goes. Uh, I think hopefully we don't hear much, and this is the last inexpensive week to grab him. Uh, and But NOLA, there hasn't been much new news in a week or two, so he would be my, my consolation bid. But it, it, it's hard to grab a third catcher. But if you have a spot, there are a couple of good ones out there. It is. And Kirk's, they're both good. Like you said, Kirk was just heating up before he got hurt, too. So that'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see how Toronto goes with it because McGuire's actually been hitting. I don't believe he'll continue to hit, but he's been hitting. And even, um, was it Adams? Adams will go back down. But uh, he's been playing decent, too. So I, I like the Kirk call there. Um, I just had a couple outfielders. Uh, and this is pretty much deep leagues, but like Michael Taylor's hitting again. We've seen him be streaky, so he, he's an intriguing one. But the main one I had circled was uh, Guillermo Heredia, still available in a lot of leagues. He's hitting like six for the Braves right now. That offense, once it gets clicking, like we saw the other night, it's been a slow start to the year. But once once he that offense gets clicking, he's going to reap the benefits. He's hitting for average. He's got some pop. Um, I, I like Heredia in your deeper leagues because outfield is just a, a wasteland to uh, to find some options for. Uh, any other options you, you're seeing in, in the waiver wire that stand out to you? Yeah, one I really like, un- unfortunately, because I'm picking on my Royals, but Cal Quantrill gets two starts at Tampa and then versus Kansas City. I like that. A, a long shot. This is deep, deep leagues. Um, he-, he just gave up four earned runs and three innings pitched for the second consecutive outing. But Riley Smith gets Colorado – First game on the road after a long homestand. That's my favorite matchup in baseball. He might be able to stretch out a couple more innings there, and that would be a, a, a really deep league if I if I'm using a middle reliever. I I could use him and and hopefully get a few more innings than what I'd get out of my middle reliever that start. I like the Quantrill call. I had him written down in the two starts here, and I was thinking, I, I his overall numbers don't like just discussed how good he actually is so i'm looking forward to seeing more you mentioned the matchups there and unfortunately like you said your royals they're in some kind of funk right now it's 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 rough it's it sucks but uh we'll see how that goes logan allen's also getting a two-step he's coming back i think i'd rather the quantrill side um a couple of pitchers i had circled colby allard he's been an up and down roller coaster this year but uh he threw very well last night in oakland gets two starts next week detroit and oakland both at home so that's always a nice one to check the boxes on. And then Zach Davies is actually pitching pretty good. Not sure how many leagues he's available in. Probably more 12 teams and 15 league teams. He's got Philly and St. Louis at home next week, so he can be an interesting two-stepper for you as well. Uh, any other fab talk before we get some listener questions? I, I'm surprised I'm surprised how many leagues Garrett Cooper is available because we, we knew he'd be back this week, and, and he's coming right out of the gate 7 for 13 with a home run already. Uh, so I, I was a little shocked that at least in TGFBI he's available in 29% of leagues. No, I love the Garrett Cooper call. Big, big Garrett Cooper fan here. So don't have to twist my arm too much on that one. All right, couple listener questions for you, and we will rock on out of here. Uh, Joe G, he asks, will Bryce Harper ever hit another home run with a runner on base again? <laughs> it, it's it, – Obviously, the answer is yes, but we we know where this question is coming from. It's it's been rough. Uh, they they seem to all be solo shots, and 
and the injuries at the top of the lineup with Segura and others, and he wasn't always hitting at the top, but McCutcheon is is heating up. So hopefully more than it's more than just a yes, hopefully that becomes the norm. Yeah, I think he will hit two home runs on Wednesday. That offense has been such a, an up-and-down thing, but I think they're getting healthy. Reese Hoskins had a horrible June, but the peripheral stats still show he's very, very good. So as that team keeps going, and Bryce has to stay healthy. He's been hurt a lot too. So it's not all it's not all the Phillies' offense around him. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be confident he'll, he'll get his by uh, season's end. I would not worry too much about that. Other listener question we had here, Taylor Johnson at ASTAT32 asks, as a Chapman owner, talking about uh, Aroldis Chapman, who has been ugly of late, um, he's, an, he's an, a Chapman owner with starting pitcher needs. Would you hold tight and think he finishes the year as a top-five closer, or would you look to move on? What would be the SP tier you would look for in return? I think this is a great question here. So what's your thoughts on this one? It is a great question. And about three weeks ago, in the, the leagues that I have Chapman – I've held him, but I, I I did go pick up. Why am I drawing a blank? Zach, Zach he just came back. <laughs> for which team? For for the Yankees. Uh, oh, Zach Britton. Zach Britton. Thank you. I can't believe I forgot Zach Britton's name. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, it, I picked up Zach Britton in the leagues that I have Chapman, just because it. There's some worry that I I, I see there. I don't know if I can get enough for him in trade. I, the tier I would want, I don't. People aren't giving up those starters. I don't think. I, I think I want a, I want a solid SB two, and I don't think I can get that for Chapman right now. Yeah, that's kind of my problem. When he asked this question, I first I didn't realize it was a listener question, so I started typing it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna erase that, save it for the show. I, I'm torn on Chapman because he's looked really bad, like really bad. It looks like someone that the sticky stuff's kind of missing. You know, those high-velocity guys, now the control's everywhere. If I'm a hitter, I'm terrified. Like, give him some rosin, please. Like, <laughs> give him something because he's throwing 100-something miles an hour, like, for the goodness sake. But I, I am concerned. Do I think he's going to be a top-five closer? As messy as the closer landscape is, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I want to say yes. Like, I want to say he figures it out. At worst, he's top 10, which is still very good the rest of the season. I think you got that going your way. And for that reason, like you mentioned SP2, I, a, I'm horrible at trades. I'll admit that now. Like I try to make them as easy as possible, but I think like most people do, you overvalue your players going into a trade. So like in my head, I'm thinking I would throw it out there and see if a team's really desperate for saves, go trade him for, I was thinking a top 10 to 15 starting pitcher. Like I might be overshooting the moon there, but you can always right, come back. That's the only way I think I would go through with it, yeah. Yeah, you could say, okay, give me a top 10 or 15 guy, and then you could work back, like maybe make a deal or to say, sorry, it's not going to work. Because at worst, you still have a very, very good closer on a team that's going to win a bunch of baseball games. He's going to get, unless something's really broken, he's going to still get a ton of chances. They're not taking him out of the role. They might split it a bit with Britain or give some other guys, some, like Chad Green or something, some slot. He's still going to be the closer, though, like in, in the grand scheme of things. So you can't just give him up. Let's have some fun with it here. Would you trade Chapman for Luis Castillo? Absolutely, I would. Okay. Let's see where the line ends here. Chapman for Lance Lynn. Mm. That's really close. Yeah. Um, we found I, our I, line. We found our line. Yeah, we found our line. I don't think I would. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, see, Lynn's, Lynn's, he's an innings eater. Gets your strikeouts. Good ball to the club. 
but is he good enough? It's it's a tough question right there. Like, yeah. is he good enough? So, um, and he, like, he's a guy like younger than Wainwright, but I'm not concerned about Lynn unless his arm falls off. He's throwing every fifth day, and he's going to throw a hundred and some pitches. So that's it it depends on what else I have. He said he really needs starting pitching. Exactly. So and maybe Lynn, Lynn, maybe Lynn, Lynn is work. one of the guys. Like when we were talking about Wainwright and and Morton, only a higher tier, but veteran that that I think I'd be comfortable with. So I may have just talked myself into it. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's have some fun here. I'm going to pick some. Uh, now that never does it properly. Uh, let me give me two seconds here. We're gonna have some fun with this one. I'm gonna pull up some more pictures here. Um, I was looking at that's the one thing in FEC they don't have like a ranking system, so you can't like just do top whatever. That one always kind of bugs me. But uh, we'll just do pictures here. Like obviously you're not doing Degrom. What about Trevor Rogers? I for the same reason that I just said I'm changing my mind on Lance Lynn. I, I think then my answer becomes yes with Trevor Rogers. Yeah, the only thing with Rogers, I wonder how many innings he let him go, but yes, I'm with you there. Um, let's have some more fun here. What about taking a chance and trading for an injured Shane Bieber, knowing he's coming back in a couple weeks? No, I'm not trading him for an injured guy. Okay. What about Chris Bassett? Mm. Maybe that's like Lance Lynn Light. Yeah. It- <laughs> It really depends on – he said he really needs starting pitching. Yeah. I'm a huge Chris Bassett guy. Me too. Uh, drafted a lot of him. So uh, I I might. If I have other closing – it sounds like he can afford to let him go as well, right? Yep. Otherwise, yep. he's not even asking this question. Exactly. He's probably got exactly. other options. So it, if that's the case and it's dire need for starting pitching, then – uh, and and I have a chance to climb in the rankings. Uh, Chris Bassett's a possibility. I'm with you there. I'll throw another couple out here. I think I'll know the answers here, but it's kind of all tongue in cheek. What about Kyle Gibson? <laughs> <laughs> the, what he's done so far says we should, but but I don't. I couldn't pull the trigger. That's why I had to throw him out there because it's just ridiculous what he's been doing. Um, you know, the rest of them. Like, what about uh, a guy that's also kind of going in the wrong direction? If you look at spin rates and everything, what about Lucas Giolito? I think I would. Because if I he figures I'd it out, he's like a top 10 pitcher. Yeah, I think I'd take the chance. But you might be able to sell the point, like the, the guy, hey, look at the decline in this and that and the other, so you can sneak in a top yeah. 10 guy potentially. <laughs> so there's your angle, buddy. There's your angle. Go check that out. We could have done this all day. Like I was just scrolling through. We could have done all kinds of names. I think you could use angles and try to, to see where you can go. But Geo's scaring people right now so you might be able to find something there i think a lot of these guys at one point in their lives were very good pitchers without sticky stuff at one point i think i think it's just more of the transition of going cold turkey now they're trying to figure it out again and that's what a lot of them are angry about it's like hey like we could have done this in the off season and figured it out again but you're telling us to do this right now without trying to injure ourselves this is gonna be a problem that's and and that maybe and we don't know when guys stopped because yep. Monday was the official day, but it had been going on for a while. Guys might have started. They might have started trying to use a little less or a little something a different, a little less sticky. And, and my worry with Chapman three weeks ago was over two or three outings, his velocity was dropping. Yep. My worry wasn't sticky stuff. My worry was injury. But now the velocity's back, but he doesn't have the control. So maybe it was sticky stuff. 
and maybe maybe he's putting it all back together. Yeah, so we'll see. That's the fun. Like, yeah. fantasy baseball is already a guessing game, and now we have a million other things. We have no clue what's going on out there. It's just tons and tons of fun. But you know, it was tons and tons of fun. Kevin was having you on the show today, so I really appreciate it. And uh, go ahead and plug your stuff once one more time. Let everybody know where they can find you. No, I appreciate it, Bubba. It was awesome being here. Uh, over at Pitcher List, I co-host On the Wire with Adam Howe. Uh, we do record late Saturday nights so we can be up to date as possible when it drops on Sunday morning. And then I get as much done ahead of time as I can, but I wait till Sunday morning to finish up my fab article for the week that drops Sunday afternoon as well at pitcherlist.com. I love it. Go check it out, everybody. As someone that does a waiver wire article, they're so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> but, uh, I give you credit because you cover more than one position. I just do one position. I bang my head against the wall. So I give you tons of credit on that one. But everybody, again, go check him out on Twitter at HastingKevin. Smart, smart guy. Really, really nice guy. Great having you on the show, and I look forward to doing it again sometime. Thanks a lot, Bubba. We'll see you again soon. No problem. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 383 with Kevin Hastings talking some fantasy baseball. Catch you all later. Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.